Welcome to episode two of Sinners Anonymous. This episode is going to be on shedding our addictions. My name is Irene. I'm Renza. Justine. Theophilus. Sharon. Karen. And Mike. And we're just a group of friends learning to understand ourselves, our church, and God a little better. Welcome to part one of our series on shedding our addictions. We'll have a 30-minute podcast today. And then we ask that you join us at St. Mary Coptic Orthodox Church on Friday, April 16th for our in-person discussion. We'll be having a lively discussion, and we would love for all of you to join us. If you're not nearby or local, please reach out to us at our socials at sinners.anonymous, and we can contact you with your local church. All right. Shedding our addictions. What are addictions? Are they what we think they are? Are addictions just simply addictions to substances, or is it more than that? Can we be addicted to people? Can we be addicted to ideas? Can we be addicted to the thoughts of people? Can we be addicted to goals? Can we be addicted to relationships? What exactly are addictions, and how do they affect our lives? And how do they get in the way? Are addictions really the problem, or is there something else? Are we using the addiction to treat something else? What about those of us that think that we're not addicted. Is it possible that a human can exist without addictions? And if so, how does one shed one's addictions? And if this period that we're in, this Lentil period, really is about shedding one's disabilities, yes, disabilities, and alleviating themselves of whatever it is that's keeping them from connecting with God, is it possible to overcome your addictions in 40 days? Plus 10. Uh, we'll find out. But 15. first, well, excuse you, 15. <laughs> let's, uh, let, let's ask. Let's start off at the very beginning. What are addictions? It's a heavy word. Addictions, I think, are something that um, I don't want to say is kind of taboo, but I feel like a lot of people try to subdue addictions or kind of like you said, Theophilus, that, you know, identifying whether or not you have an addiction is really hard. Um, yeah. I, th I think we tend to think of addictions as something that someone else has. Oh, that alcoholic, he's addicted. That drug addict, he's addicted. But I'm not addicted to anything. Like, I have full control of my capacities. And we don't think about the times that there are things that we want to do that we don't do and things that we don't want to do. And how many times do you say, I'm not going to go back to doing this thing. I'm not going to go back to that relationship. I'm not going to go back to watching that thing or hanging out with those people and you still do it time and time again, despite having either bargained with God or decided that you're not going to, you still do it again. Easier said than done, church boy. Absolutely. I mean, let's, let's be honest here. I mean, addictions are part of people's routines, right? Whether it's pornography or drugs or coffee, right? Mm -hmm. You wake up and you just can't move on in the day without that hit of caffeine, right? Imagine a life without coffee. Anywhere I can, I mean, Sharon, I know you're a Starbucks <laughs> fiend. I actually don't drink coffee. I don't, I don't like coffee. So every now and then I'll have it, but like, I actually don't like the taste of it. Unless if it's really sweet, then I'll drink it. I am yeah. literally addicted to the idea of coffee. Really? Like I drive by a Starbucks. I know I don't need it, but I just see it. And I'm like, oh. No, I yeah, I, I think I should have some. <laughs> well, that explains the coffee uh, perfume. But um, I, I think the important thing to keep in mind is these addictions, as simple as we may think, as much as we want to downplay them, are weaknesses. How can you say, I can't live without this person? 
I can't live without my coffee. I can't live without taking a hit of some THC. I can't do I got an anger problem. I got to use, right? Or it was a big deal. You know, it's just three, four, five, six, seven, eight drinks, right? I mean, it's social hour. I think that's that's a really good point because when you think of addictions, a lot of people just look at it as substance abuse. So alcohol or drugs is mainly when you say addictions, those are the first thing that comes to mind is like a heroin or like crack addict, you know, with like the broken teeth and the no hair on their face and whatever. (laughs) But um, I, you know, kind of like everyone has said, there's so much more to addiction to get your life going. Um, And it's interesting that you said routines are kind of like an addiction, you know, like waking up in the morning, um, whatever routine that you do that may bring you pleasure in any sense, um, whether if it's like coffee or or picking up your phone first thing when you open your eyes. Yeah, or that's like a good one. Watching TikTok videos until you sleep. For a couple hours. <laughs> right. And I think we, we overlook those things because I think addiction has been diagnosed as like substance abuse disorders, but not as like being addicted to a phone or being addicted that's actually a great one that you said the phone because you know you go to a restaurant everyone's on their phones you know um yeah well i mean people make a living out of their phones so that's true can you blame them that's true so now we're enabling addicts Ooh. (laughs) in a way in a sense yeah yeah Yeah. i mean how about people that are addicted to their careers yeah people are yeah people can definitely be addicted and be money hungry to the point where like they're addicted to the power that they get um from working all the time it's not just power it's identity that the work is my identity this is where i find myself i feel successful at work i don't feel successful at home and you bury yourself in your work and you literally wind up burying yourself no one no one even recognizes you because all you are is at work all day so we can even be addicted to the good things in life Mm -hmm. our studies our work you know that it's possible to be addicted to your wife or your husband in an unhealthy way? Yeah, you know, in a called, relationship manner, yeah. It's called enmeshment, when you don't know where you start and she begins, right? Here's the thing that most people don't want to believe about addiction. When you say yes to something, you're automatically saying no. When you say yes, I'm going to be a career-driven person and I'm going to work 20-hour days and I'm not going to sleep, you're saying no to your family. You're saying no to church. You're saying no to equilibrium and balance in your life. When you say, yes, I'm going to enter this relationship and I'm going to give it my all, you're saying no to a lot of things. You might be saying no to your own purity, right? Ooh, purity. It's a big (laughs) one, right? People don't want to understand or admit that addictions not just add to your life, but they also subtract. We want to focus on the good part, the fun part, the happy part, but we don't want to realize or open our eyes to the negative. So Theophilus, you said something really interesting earlier where you said, I have an anger problem and that's why I use the substance. And it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing. Is it that you have an anger problem because you're addicted and it, it bothers you that so much that you're addicted that it causes th- things to come out in unhealthy ways like anger? Or is it more that it, you think that the substance sub- subdues the anger, and it kind of becomes a vicious cycle. 
Well, that's, I feel like that's kind of one of the many ways that addiction can start. You know, um, if you see people who, you know, I, I think it's interesting cause I kind of want to back up a little bit and talk about, um, the source or causes of addiction because addiction doesn't, I mean, sometimes it can just happen out of the blue, you know, where, I don't know, a high schooler was curious and wanted to try a certain drug and then they got hooked and they're like, oh, I need to keep going. And then it becomes a habit and then they're hooked and, you know, it it goes on from there. But I also want to look at and kind of discuss with everybody, what are the causes of different addictions? I'm not talking about just substance addictions, but other addictions such as like food, for example, or relationships or work, you know, or studies, you know, things like that. What do you guys think? Are the causes to these addictions you don't want to be left behind you don't want to be the last you want to be first oh That's, so you think it could be like a competitive like oh nature. competitive yeah especially mm-hmm. you mean like uh the uh abuse of adderall in college on college campuses and the negative repercussions that brings and even in the workplace mm. in the workplace too you have a lot of young professionals who use adderall to keep them going because it's a it's such a competitive workplace right now and it's so hard to get a good job and in order to keep a good job they treat you like you're not human and you have to work like 20 hour days for example and you know the only way to get you going is like with adderall or something to like stimulate your mind to stay awake and um, so doubting yourself, right? Lacking confidence in who you are and your abilities and not ha- and having low self-esteem to perform in order to perform. Because if you really felt confident in who you were, if you really believed the gospel, which says I can do all things through Christ, right? The only addiction we need. Uh, if you really believed in that, you wouldn't need anything else, right? But there is this level of, um, I'm detecting from what you're saying, there's level of lack of confidence in oneself, of, of fear, of uh, distrust in God, which makes you feel as if, well, the only way I'm going to get what I need to do done is get an edge. You've touched on a raw nerve. It's definitely that there, there are things, we feel shortcomings in ourselves and we feel like we're not enough and we feel like we need something to give us that edge. And a lot of the times we just, it's that low self-esteem, low self-love that causes us to reach out to other things to give us that confidence or to give us that uh, that boost. On the other side of self-esteem, though, I'd also like to mention that I think the way society has been changing now is in the workplace is to forget about your whole life and prioritize your job. So if you look at, at like medical residents, for example, they work endless hours, endless shifts. My, Michael, you could tell us more about this. You know, endless shifts and and they're just it's nonstop. And, you know, obviously, as a medical resident, you're not supposed to be taking, you know, illicit drugs even though they're prescription but like in a in a wrong way but a lot of times a lot of these people who do work these endless hours are kind of I don't want to say forced to but because their workplace has made them prioritize their job over you know what they physically cannot do they've you know resorted to other substances to to help them get through it and i think that's that's sometimes one of the things where um if if we do live in an environment where it's just a very competitive environment very long hours you can't 
get going without something to help you out, you know, that's what's going to lead to an addiction. Same thing with coffee, you know, uh, not to throw anyone under the bus or anything, but it's, it's the same concept, you know, um, people who wake up and they, the first thing that they need is a coffee. It's the same thing. Your body is hooked. Your body is addicted to the concept of coffee. Um, and it needs it to like wake up and get going. So. Well, you're absolutely right. And it's interesting that you mentioned residency in medicine because that's one field where we're starting to realize what's going on. The shortcomings, and yeah. We realize that working endless shifts is not a good thing, and we've been decreasing and decreasing. If anyone did residency like 30 years ago, you were on call two days straight. Mm-hmm. When I, Even when I did residency, we were on call for 30 hours straight. And now we've decreased where most places you're working 16, 24 hours at the most, even though that sounds crazy, 24 hours. When you compare it to 48 hours, oh, well, that's half the time. Right. It's still too much. Right. But um, if science is starting to realize that being hooked to your job is not good, we need to, as a society, realize that the, the science says that, um, spirituality says that, we really need to have work-life balance. That's what's missing it's the balance Mm -hmm. people don't just start doing drugs people don't just get into relationships because they feel awesome about themselves they're looking for something that's missing something that's the reason behind the imbalance that they feel inside and it may manifest itself as depression or anger issues it may manifest itself in loneliness or pain but at the end of the day there is a stimulus. It is negative. It hurts. Doesn't feel good. Doesn't make me happy. And I'm looking for a way to make it go away. And so we get into these patterns of behavior where the substance, where the relationship, where the person, where whatever we're addicted to, the career, gives us something that temporarily fulfills that need. And temporarily needs to be bold-faced, underlined, and italicized because it doesn't last. How many people succeed, get the top, the pinnacle in their career? Big awards, big name, lots of money, and they still feel empty. They're not happy. How many people get into relationships and they think they're in love? This is the person I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. We've got to talk about marriage because that's not how it works. But anyway, like this, this, is it. this is it. It's all, it's all, it's all, it's all farce. I'm, I'm just kidding. So you're in a situation where like you, you have this, this, this emptiness and you've constantly trying to fill it with the wrong thing because it's not working. Right. And that's a gateway because if the, that relationship doesn't work for you, I'll just go find another one. Yep. If this career is not working out for me, if I don't feel like I'm succeeding, I'll just go find another one. And another one, and another one. Or if this drug is not working, and another one, and another one. But you'll never find what you're looking for on the outside. Have you guys seen um, or heard of the show, my, what is it, 600-pound life? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, so for those of you who don't know what it's about, it's on TLC, and it's about people who are around 600 pounds. And it's it's a reality show, and it's a, a, a show to show show to show how these people go to like a weight loss doctor and he he walks them through like how to lose weight and whatnot and half of the if half of the time if not all um you know a lot of these people you sit there and you look and you're just like how did they let themselves get this far you know when did they realize oh my health is at a it's utmost lowest because of 
how far I've let myself go. Um, and a lot of these people come in with actual traumatic issues, you know, actual psych psychiatric conditions, some trauma that happened to them, whether if they were raped or molested or um, abused as children, and it manifested into them resorting to food because they felt like it was comfort to them. And, and so a lot of these people actually kind of what you were saying, Theophilus, about how a lot of... Um, we look for something to temporarily take you off the edge, you know, and these people, it actually came into they're resorting to food for so many years that they've reached to a maximum of like 600, 700 pounds in some cases. Um, and then to piggyback off that other point that you mentioned, how many famous people are out there or how many people make it to the top and they've worked so hard their whole lives. And, you know, I just think of like, wall street people you know people in new york that are just constantly working never get a break you know life there is you know always walking always on the phone whatever and how many people make it quote unquote make it in life but they're not happy and they feel that emptiness and you know you always sit back and you're just like wow they've got it all these celebrities they've got all the money all the bags all the cars the glamour the makeup you know all this stuff but they're still unhappy. They're still committing suicide. They're still taking drugs. They're still, um, you know, going through mental problems. And it's because they don't have a, a, a source of, you know, real authentic happiness within themselves, I feel. Yeah, there's like no substance. Like they're empty right. inside. Right. So to us, like it shows like these materialistic things, like show us that they're happy, but we don't really see the substance. Like, inside of them like what they what they really are because for all they all we know they could be completely like black inside it's interesting that you mentioned wall street recently i was listening to an interview with the guy that wolf of wall street was made at made after jordan belfort yep wait i didn't know it was actually made after a real story mm -hmm. yeah jordan belfort okay. so he was saying how it was like he had started this little company and he was making all these trades and initially everything was on the up and up but then he kept realizing that he can make l more money by doing these little things that were kind of gr in the gray area. And then it got worse and worse. And he started doing things that were actually illegal, started doing drugs and was in a really bad place in his life. And then wind wound up obviously going to jail for it. And now he's like, I won't even touch anything that's close to being like in a gray zone. In my businesses, I do everything completely by the books because I don't want to be there again. I think sometimes these, not these people, but like a lot of people when they, when they're going into their addiction, I think they get into such a tunnel zone that all they see is that thing that they're addicted to. And that's all they're focused on. That's all they're looking at. And, you know, afterwards they look back and they're like, I can't believe I did all of that. You know, I can't believe I let myself go and, you know, do this, this, and this. And, you know, looking back, they're like, I'm never going to do that again. But in the moment, it's kind of just like, you're just so focused on it and there's nothing else that you can see, you know? But sometimes, like, I feel like addictions aren't, like, that crazy that you can even notice it. Right. Like, you're like, okay, you know, you don't know you're addicted to something. You're going to work. You're taking care of your family. You're going to church. Like, you're checking off all the boxes, but there's still an addiction in your life that you're just, like, not noticing. So, so how do you identify that? So that's just self-analysis, Yeah. I, I guess. I mean... The, the thing that's... The thing that sneaks up on you is if your priorities are not aligned with what they should be and they're not in the right order, 
Amen. It, the button. It's, <laughs> the button. It's, it's so easy, right, to lose focus. And when people start slipping in terms of their focus, uh, it start, you start getting that imbalance that we're talking about. And when the imbalance starts happening, people start feeling pain. They start looking to self-medicate. And that's when the addictions come in, right? And, and the addictions, like we've, I think we've made the point already that it could be anything, good or bad. But, but what is an addiction? Let's define it. Well, it's very clear. An addiction is something you cannot live without. An addiction is something that you can try to stop and maybe you'll be successful for a few weeks, a few months, maybe a few years, but you're going to come back to. An addiction is something that has changed your brain chemistry and your thinking to a point that if this thing would stop existing in your life, it would cause you serious pain. Physically. Physically, emotionally, Physically. just on every, on every level, right? Mm -hmm. And, and w every single person has an addiction. Every single person is, has fallen prey to that. But the solution for all addictions is the same, is the same. And I think that is a very difficult pill to swallow, no pun intended, because the solution is um, replace the addiction. Replace the addiction with... Uh, so, something that fills those needs, and who's the only one that can fill those needs? Yeah. I mean, the, replacing the addiction with Christ is a very difficult thing to do. Very. Because the first thing you have to realize is you're not going to win. The addiction on, it, on its own, uh, you fighting it on your own. It's a hard struggle. It's impossible. It's not easy. It is impossible to overcome any addiction mm -hmm. without Christ. It's just not going to happen. And in today's world where everybody is um, told that when asking for help or it's implied that asking for help is a weakness, um, not a lot of people are willing to ask for help. Not a lot of people are willing to, to say, I'm inadequate. In fact, the reason why they have their addiction is because they feel inadequate and they're trying to address that inadequacy. They're all on their own through self-medicating, right? Through replacing it with a relationship or whatever it is that's going on, right? So for you to admit and say, I have a problem, I am inadequate, I am not perfect, I need your help. That is one of the most difficult things to do. I think identifying that you have an addiction is one of the most difficult things to do because it's so hard for us. We, I don't want to say we all think we're living a perfect life, but we all would like to think that we're not addicted to something, you know, because again, saying addiction, I feel like it just clicks back to like drugs and alcohol or like pornography or, you know, but we don't think about, I mean, for me personally, food is a really big thing, you know, or like sweets. I love sweets. And that's something where like every single day I should be able to live without it. But it's like, no, I have to have a sweet at some point in the day, if not like after every meal. You know, I have to end something on a sweet note. Um, that's why I'm so sweet, guys. Um, <laughs> and humble. <laughs> um, but, I, I <laughs> but I think that that's why like identifying that somebody actually has identifying within yourself that you have an addiction is so hard. Um, and I think that is one of the biggest steps in recognizing that you are at fault or that you have something to work on is first identifying that you do have an addiction and then going in and saying, I need help is the next step because a lot of people, they can have an addiction and they know it, but they don't want to get help. Um, and I've seen it with like with patients who are addicted to drugs you know, if they come in and they're like, I'm addicted to, I don't know, heroin, for example, and we put them on a program to get them off of the drugs and so that they're not addicted, like an actual or any other substance that we actually provide them medication that can help them get off the edge. 
you know, but it's like, they don't want to, you know, and if it's the, the only person that can stop an addiction, the only human is yourself. You know, you're the one making yourself addicted to something. And so if you don't realize it within yourself and you don't want to stop within yourself, then it's not going to stop. It has to start from within yourself first. But sometimes you have to re- reach rock bottom. Yeah. To realize that you need help. And so, maybe a lot of people haven't reached to that point. They're like, oh, I'm making it through right now. So but I, Irene, define rock bottom. Like, what do you mean? So because say, th- that's a very common uh, phrase and it's completely misunderstood. So I'm going to share like a story. So I I went on a mission trip to Costa Rica and I volunteered at um, an addiction center. And every I think there was around 30 addicts like at the at the rehab center and they all had a different like addiction it was like alcohol cocaine heroin some people were addicted to sniffing paint like there were so many different types of addictions and they all said that they came to the point where they had to reach rock bottom so rock bottom was either losing their families um having their children taken away from them losing their houses losing their careers their all their money they had to lose something so so important to them to make them to like so they had to click and they had to realize like, oh my gosh, like this is absolutely ruining my life. Like the fact that you have to have your children, like your child, like dragged out of your arms because you're an addict and you can't take care of them anymore. Like it makes a person realize like, wow, like I need to change something about myself. But it's sad that the person has to reach that point. But sometimes I feel like it has to happen for a change because they did end up getting better they are now with their families and they're now way better than they were before. Like everything's just better. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, I feel like that's what rock bottom is. Like you have to lose something extremely important at one point. You need to get to a point where you need a wake up call. And Mm -hmm. each person's rock bottom is a different, is different for some people. It's, it could be like that. You lost your family. It just, whatever it is that makes you realize, because what you do what we all do when we're addicted to something is we kind of we have this comfort zone and we've created this area where we think it's okay even though the, our life might actually be falling apart and you read about like alcoholics who have blackouts and they, they they come back in the morning and they check their cars to make sure there was no dents in their cars and there's no blood because they don't remember what happened last night but they still think that they're okay because they realize okay no things are going fine and it's until you get to that point that you realize there's an issue so the biggest like example in the bible of this is the parable of the prodigal son where he 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 spent all of the the money that he got from his dad and things were getting worse he lost all his friends it's fine he went to work work in the pig farm and then it wasn't until he noticed that he couldn't even eat the food that the pigs were eating and then he was hungry and then the bible says he came to himself that's that moment that's that wake-up moment he came to himself and he realized look, the servants in my father's house have food enough. I'm going to go and I'm going to ask him to be to become a servant. And that point, it's that humility at that point. You reach that point where you finally, that ego that kept driving that life goes away. And then you realize, you know what, I, I need help. I'm just going to go for help. And when he went for help, his father took him with open arms and he gave and he killed the fatted calf and he gave him the coat and the ring he didn't put him as a servant because god loves us so much that he wants us back and he is going to give us everything back and he's going to 
fill those voids that we were trying to fill with those other things. Well, someone's practicing their uh, sermon for the prodigal son Sunday. <laughs> um, let's call that the pig pen moment. The pig pen moment needs to happen for all of us. What, what's a pig pen? Oh, the yeah. when the prodigal son was in the okay. pig pen. Yeah, if you were paying attention, Justine. Um, <laughs> Uh, the pink pen moment needs to happen for all of us. If it doesn't happen for you, you will never come to that realization that I've hit rock bottom, that I've had it better with my father in heaven, mm -hmm. that I need to start making changes in my life. And you will not achieve that humility, which is absolutely necessary if you're going to overcome addiction. However, let's get real. It's much easier to talk about it than to do it. No, no, no. It's even worse. <laughs> Society is set up... To make sure that these addictions not only manifest themselves in our lives, but are fed daily. Yes. Let's talk about capitalism. Retail therapy. Right? The I desire to buy... Uh, what, what was that, Karen? My favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the one thing she said, I love retail therapy. Consumer <laughs> what was that? Are we going to talk about consumer, like consumer debt? We're going to talk about consumerism. We're going to talk about the society that we live in, which is all about, hey, if this outfit don't work for you, and or if you've wore it once or twice, throw it away, get another thing, right? It's not worth your time. It's not worth your effort. You don't feed that desire to look nicer than the other person, right? Or if you see someone on Instagram, and by the way, checking out Instagram feeds on a daily basis, that in itself is an addiction, and you see everyone wearing these new TikTok uh, leggings. That, How uh, do you know about those? I am very educated on the world of TikTok <laughs> and, <laughs> and social media in general. So funny. I to buy those leggings. I was like, hey, those are nice leggings. Like they so must be really good. <laughs> uh, look how successful it is. Like every single girl, regardless of her age or, or even woman, is now be, they've been tricked into thinking that all of these people actually bought these leggings and, uh, you know, it, they look great. But how many of those were actually paid? This is called guerrilla marketing. You mm -hmm. actually go, you find these people, these random people, you create these accounts, hundreds and hundreds of them, right? You send them leggings, you make them post on TikTok, maybe even pay some of them. And all of a sudden it picks up steam, right? So look at the deception. You think, it's, you think it's real. You think these people are genuinely bought the stuff and they're impressed by it, right? But then, you, but then it's not. It's a, it's, it's a trick. It's a trick to get you to buy. It's a trick to get something out of you that's valuable. In this case, it's money. But what you don't realize you're also selling is your self-esteem. Now, help me. How, how are a pair of leggings going to make you feel better about who you are? How are they going to address the body image issues that you have, right? Because they could do the opposite. You can buy those leggings and take a look in the camera and be like, why is it not working for me? Well, that's it. They, they feed the ego of the body. They're supposed to make your body image ego better. And that's why people buy them. Yeah. Or until there's another pair of leggings that come out or, or, or a Instagram different, you know, the, the Instagram, you know, tank top that comes out. The point is, the point is this. If, if they haven't succeeded in getting you to buy, right, and the only way they can do that is to make you feel self-conscious, inadequate. Like right? you're missing. Like you're missing. Yeah. And a pair of leggings are going to fill that body image issue when in reality it's just going to make it worse, right? They've succeeded. And if they can create an environment where everyone's posting, I'm living my best life. Look at me over here doing this. Look at here. I'm seeing it on LinkedIn. Before, you know, early when LinkedIn was pure, that's the only social media I have. I hate social media. But but uh, it, it, before when, when LinkedIn was pure, people were just using it for jobs. Now people are like, I am so happy that I matched 
it's been seven years of blah, 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 blah. I have started my career and blah, 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 blah. It's almost like, hey, look at me. I am fantastic. Mm. And then and then the part that you don't see is they're waiting for the likes and the congratulations, good job. You've done a fantastic. And it pre-types it for you too on LinkedIn. Not only that, but what about the people that didn't match? Yeah. What about the people out there that are struggling and not doing well in school? Yeah. What about you've created a toxic environment in the guise of a positive environment? And now people are walking away feeling miserable about themselves, looking at the bottle, looking at the, the whatever drug it is, looking at the, the relationship that they shouldn't be in. You know, help me feel better about myself because I feel miserable. Yeah, because no one talks about their failures. Like no one's like preaching. No. I hear like I failed my, I don't know, my board exam twice and. Like no one's like preaching about that. No, yeah. you know, nobody ever shares that. Nobody ever brags about getting an F, especially around your parents. If you say that, it's like, oh, you're grounded. Uh oh. It, there's this level of inadequacy, especially in the Coptic community, where if you're not a, a doctor, a lawyer, or um, engineer, or engineer, you you, you, you have to make it six figures essentially. No, and how many of those doctors failed? But you don't know that they failed. Yeah, their like how many? Yeah. Back because we don't talk about these things. Well, the toxicity is if you haven't done those things, if you haven't achieved those things, you have not succeeded in life, right? And as much as we make fun of it, you know, some of our parents have drilled it so deep into us that some of us actually believe it. We make, make might make fun of it, but we actually don't believe it. And what we don't open our eyes to is God didn't create a bunch of doctors, lawyers, and engineers, right? Remember, it's about balance. Everybody has a place in life that God has set apart in you. But if you feel as if you're not meeting someone else's expectations that you very much worry about, that's going to cause a deficiency going back to that imbalance. And you're going to want to fill that with something, some sort of addiction, some sort of drug. So, long story short, the environments that we have, both, both the greater culture and the subculture, sets us up to fail, not to succeed. Sets, up to, sets us up to feel as if we're inadequate. Sets us up to feel as if we're trapped in this rat race of the newest leggings or the newest Supreme shirt or whatever it is, right? Because we got to feel good about ourselves. But how temporary is that relief? It's minuscule. And then you're like, well, I remember when I did it, it was the first few minutes was awesome. Let me go spend more or get more. And all of a sudden you get stuck in this routine. That's when, that's when the addiction starts forming, right? Because it's a repetitive behavior that's actually detrimental. How do you break it? How do you get past it? How do you find your way out? Because, yes, in some cases you have to hit rock bottom. But that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. Next time on Sinners Anonymous. They had a community. Mm -hmm. It was a community of them together, working together. Getting rid of your addiction is not going to be an instant reward. Allowing someone to realize the manifestation of Christ in their personal life. Not Christ as a concept, as a church. So you feel like everything's in your hands and you're in control. And then when you start to give that thing up, you're relinquishing control. Mm -hmm. And that's where it becomes very difficult. If I do this every single day, I know what the result or the outcome is gonna be. But if I change it up and I do something that's not normal, I don't know what the outcome is gonna be. They ended up in the same exact place, which I thought was crazy because they were in completely different points in their life and addiction brought them back in the same place and then Christ was also the meeting point. When the relationship is toxic and and by toxic it doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't have to be abusive. It could be like where your maturity, where your spirituality, when something's broken, you don't run to Christ, you run to this person. That's a problem. Whether you're married or not, that's a problem. Don't stop.